0: So, um, last week I was talking with Robin about the clips that we're showing and some friends. And Robin said to me, you've got to give space for people to breathe after you show one of those clips. <laughs> There's like sniffing going on in the room and they're emotional and we don't know what to do with it. So, I'm giving you some space. <laughs> A couple couple thoughts, and this will be our launching point uh, today. Uh, Kevin makes this, this statement when he gets caught up in this conversation. He doesn't know what to do with the conversation. He makes this statement that death is natural. Now, isn't that an interesting thought? Death is natural. And I wrote that down and, and began to think about that. Is, is death natural, or is it just something that we all have in front of us? And I began to think back to the beginning of this story that, that we told, the story of God creating the heavens and the earth. And, and, and what God created was life, not death. And so I began thinking that, that what's natural is maybe not death, but rather life. Life is natural. Life is what God wants us to experience. And, and death is what disrupts the life that God intended for us, right? So I wonder if, if rather than saying things like death is, is natural, um, death is common for about 100% of the people who live in the world. Death is common, but, but maybe it's not natural as God intended it to be. It's life that I think we're all after. Would you agree that you're after life? Don't you want to experience life? How many people in the room say you want to experience death? No, I mean, nobody wants to experience death We want life, and that's because there's something deep within us that God planted. It's life. And Jesus, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus today. Jesus said he came that we might experience, what's the word he used? Life. Life. And experience it to the full. This picture of this grand, full life. And if I ask the question, uh, if I were to ask and say, you know, raise it. How many of us want a full life, however you... You understand that. How many of us want a full life? We all would say, yeah, we want a full life. We want to experience joy and hope, and we all want to experience love at some level. So maybe death's not natural. Maybe life is what's natural, and death is what disrupts the life God gave us. And, and then as, as, as Kevin's talking about this, this beautiful painting, and there's something that we get caught up in when he's talking about it, isn't there? There's something that he's telling it, and it's like this emotional connection to that story. And I love some of the pieces that he talks about, life going on uh, forever into the future. And I think that's where the story takes us today. What is it in God's story that leads us to a place where we could experience life Abundant, full, both now and into eternity. Now, I know I, I know there are some that are skeptical about this idea of life into eternity. I, I understand that. And if, if some of you in this room, and I know there's some that, that attend McDowell, that are, that are part of our community, that sometimes question this, this, this understanding of, of what could be in the future and, and what, what death holds for all of us, I would ask you just to to stay with me. You're you're at home here. This is is a safe place, like I said, uh, to explore faith. Just just go with me a little bit today, and and let's talk about this this beautiful, central act in the story, which is the story of Jesus. Now, just a quick recap, um, just to kind of see where we've been. Um, We are image bearers of God. You You remember this part of the story? that even with all the beauty that God created and the the, the fingerprints of God we can see all over, we're the only part of creation that bears the image of God. So we're image bearers of God. You are. Even if you don't feel like it, God has planted within you his image. You're an image bearer. Yet we are broken and we rebel against him. Now, I don't have to convince you of this. We all are broken. We, We all can see in ourselves some rebellion, some brokenness in our lives. Still, this is last week, we talked about This idea that God pursues us, just like he did Jonah. Not not out of anger, but rather out of love. That God pursues us out of his great love for us. And he calls us back to to become aware of who we really are. Our true identity as image bearers of God. As as co-creators with God in this beautiful world that we've been given. I I was talking to a friend this week, um, Nathan, and we, we were out... And uh, we, were, we were talking about this, this concept of, of miracles, and he made the comment, he said, you know, we don't talk a lot about miracles anymore in our day and age, and, um, you know, when you're with a pastor, that's a great question to ask him. What do you think about miracles? So he asked me, what, what do you think about miracles? And like Kevin, I said, why are you asking me this? Like, what, what we're on a run, like, we're, but I, I, I tried to answer, and um, Here's what I believe about miracles in our day and age. I believe miracles are all around us. I just think we fail to see them sometimes. Uh, Modern medicine, I think, is a miracle. What what we can do with medicine is is miraculous. I I think what music can do in our souls and in our minds is miraculous. If you think about the progression of human life throughout the, the history that we have recorded, there are so many pieces that are that are miraculous. The the beginning of the world begins in a garden, right? The story begins in a garden. And if you read the end of the story, it ends in a a city, the city of God. Um, Look around us at, at what is taking place as we begin to create order out of chaos. That is miraculous. Parents, what you do is miraculous. You're joining with God. In, in creating life in this world. Engineers, what you do is brilliant and miraculous, and I never want to do it with you because I have no idea what you do. But it's miraculous because it brings order out of chaos. There are so many miracles all around. We just sometimes fail to realize that they're pictures of God working through people like us the, the big narrative arc. So God is pursuing us, inviting us back to be co-creators, to, to, to be conduits of his miracles in this world. This big narrative arc, this journey that we're on, creation, and then rebellion, and then calling, God pursuing us and calling us back. And then the central piece is the story of Jesus. And then next week we'll look at the kingdom. But this story of Jesus. Now, most people in today's world um, don't really have issue with saying that Jesus was probably a historical being. So we're just going to start with that framework that Jesus was a historical person. Um, he lived. The big question that is asked a lot in, in today's world is, is who was he and what did he do? And I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to convince you of certain things because I can't do that. I, I can't convince you of, of, of who Jesus was. But I want to I, I try to tell you the story that we find in Scripture and see if it doesn't fit into this, this, this big narrative arc that, that didn't just happen in history, but that happens in all of our lives. So we might say, this is us. This is, this is our story. This is the story that, that I experience. The central act in the story is, is the life of Jesus. And the beginning, at, at the, the, the very first Christians, the followers of Jesus, began to call this uh, good news. That Jesus was, in some way, good news to the world. Have you heard that before? The the word used is is gospel, but it it literally means good news, that Jesus is good news. And so the question for us is, why is Jesus the central act, and how is Jesus good news for us? Uh, The early Christians, as they were were writing um, and throwing things, um, the early Christians began to create uh, songs and poems and and ways that they might remember uh, who God is. And so what I want to do to begin is I want to simply read you one of the early poems about Jesus, uh, the early songs. And if you have your journal, it, it's in there. It's, it's uh, on page 21. You don't have to, to pull it out if you don't want to. I just I want to read it to you. And I want to read it uh, so that we might get a glimpse of how the early Christians began to believe the things that they did and, and how it began to kind of solidify this understanding of why Jesus was the good news that we all needed. So Paul is writing here, and he says this, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So Jesus, Jesus is the, the visible image of the, the invisible God, and he has been a part of all of creation. He's always existed. He is before all things, and in him, all things are held together. And he is the head of the body, the church, us. He is the beginning And the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through him, to reconcile all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then, this early early poem turns to us. Once. Once. You were alienated from God. You were His enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope that you have in the Gospel. these, These early poems... Uh, began to make their way around the, the communities like us that had gathered together to try to understand who is this Jesus figure and, and why is he good news for us. So these poems began to put into words these ideas, and then the people would begin to speak them to one another so that we might all understand who Jesus was. Now I realize there, there are times that the language in, in Scripture is, is tough to understand, and so. Um, I'm gonna put this on the screen just another view of of how we might understand this and this is Eugene Peterson who wrote this um, paraphrasing helping put it in our language today he says this we look at Jesus and we see the God who cannot be seen so so here's the point he's making if you wanna know what God's like if if you wanna see what God, the creator of the universe, is like, you just need to look at Jesus. He's, he's the visible image. He's the one uh, who displays to us the God that we can't see. He, he's the one who gives us a picture of God. We, we look at this, this Jesus, the Son, and we see God's original purpose in everything. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in Him. He continues, He was supreme in the beginning, like Jesus was key at the beginning. Everything created in Him. And, I I like this language, leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. So if you think about parades in our world, like the Rose Bowl parade, I can't stand parades, by the way. I I don't know why. My wife loves to watch the Rose Bowl parade, and I'm like, isn't there football on? Or something, something like that. And, so parades, if you like parades, it's, it's the, the picture that Jesus is the one leading the grand parade that, that changes everything. The resurrection parade. He's supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there towering far above everything and everyone. Everything of God finds its proper place in him. Now, now, now if you if you've fade it off, come back here for a minute because you're included in this story. Like this, this next piece is, is for all of us. Here's what he says. All the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, and I know the last few weeks I've been picking on cats. Maybe they're included here. I don't know. Um, but, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, all of these things get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. Now, here's the beauty, I think, of... Uh, the painting that that Kevin was showing to these young girls is this this painting of all these colors, and he was saying things like um, perhaps perhaps we all fit together and we all begin to make this beautiful painting, and I agree with him as Christ pulls it all together, that Christ is the unifying factor of all the things that are broken and dislocated. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Are you here yeah it's it 's It's Christ who brings together all things that are broken and dislocated. And this includes your life and mine. And and the things that that you see in yourself, the brokenness, the hell that you've experienced in your life. Jesus is the one who, who brings those things back together and begins to piece them together because of God's grace and His love. And I love that he says all the broken pieces of the universe. Like, like Jesus is reconciling what things? All things. Yeah. What things? All things. He's reconciling all things through Christ. And then you are a case study in this. I didn't mean to point at you, but like, you, like all of us. Like you're a case study in this. I'm a case study in this. We're all a case study in this. At one time, you had your backs turned to God thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by actually giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brings you over. Feel the force, Luke. Christ brings you over to God's side. He he bridges the gap to God's side and brings us back whole and holy in his presence. Isn't that a beautiful writing? Isn't that a beautiful picture of what Jesus does? Supreme in the beginning and in the end and and, and always present in all things, reconciling all things, all the broken and dislocated pieces because of what he did. That's why Jesus is the central story. That's That's why he's at the very middle of the story. When I was a child, maybe, maybe you have the same experience. When I was a child and, and, you know, I grew up going to church. Many of you, I know, grew up going to church. Some of you didn't. Um, one of the, the understandings I had was that, that Jesus died for me so that I could get into heaven. And um, I loved that idea. So, you know, what are the options, heaven or hell? Well, I'm going to take heaven. So who's that? Jesus? I'm in. Like, that's an easy decision for me, right? That would be an easy decision for you. If, and, and if that's all that there was, it wouldn't be a complete picture of Jesus because he does so much more. He's so much grander than our simplistic equations. And um, I I wrote this just kind of thinking about it. Maybe the good news isn't just about getting me into heaven, but rather getting heaven into me. Like the the good news of Jesus is that he wants to get something into us that we don't in ourselves already have, right? Like there's something more that Jesus wants to bring. Uh, There's this song that says, he didn't want heaven without us, so he brought heaven down like this, this understanding that, that Jesus came because God desperately loves us and he wants us. Um, real quick, this is some like little theological pieces that I want to kind of tie into our, our view of Jesus. Uh, four little things that I think, well, big things, but uh, little statements that I think kind of summarize this, this Jesus, um, the first thing is he reveals God in his love. So if you want to know what God's like, you want to know what his love's like, look at Jesus. Look what Jesus did. That's, that's God. God in the flesh. God in a way that we can truly understand who he is. He reveals God to us. Uh, the second thing that, that, that he does is he reconciles all things, including us, to God. So he makes up the difference. Um, some of you remember this. There's this uh, picture out there of this like uh, chasm or this, this big valley. And, and um, the, the understanding was that sin was what creates this big chasm between us and God, and Jesus makes the, uh, the bridge so that we can get to God possible. Now, I think there's some, there's, there's some helpful ideas there, but here's the deal, and you need to know this, that, that nowhere in Scripture is it about you getting to God, because God comes to you. Like, Jesus isn't about creating a way that you can get to God, but rather Jesus is the way that he comes to you and to me. Does that make sense? I know some of you might go, well, no, that's just semantics. It's not. Because any time we think that we've got to do something to get to God, we're missing the story of who Jesus is. So he, he reconciles all things. He makes up for the difference. He, uh, he sets up God's kingdom. We're going to talk about this next week. week but he, he creates this new way to live in the world. And then the fourth thing that, that Jesus does, and I think this is beautiful, is he shuts down religion. Whoa, 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 what? What do you mean he shuts down religion? Well, religion in the world has always been about man trying to, and woman always trying to understand and get to God. That's what religion has been. And Jesus shuts it down because he says, you don't need that. Jesus is the one who gets us to God. He's the one who makes that possible. We don't need religion any longer. Okay, a picture theologically of the central act of God that, that He loved us and He wanted us to see Him, so He sent Jesus. Not just so we could see him, but so that all things could come back to him, to make up that difference and to set up a new way to do life, to shut down our attempts to get to God. Now, um, I'm, I'm going to confess a couple things real quick. Usually when I say that, people kind of lean in. Like, What's he going to tell us? <laughs> um, in, in our culture today, and I think uh, Scottsdale, uh, Fountain Hills, Phoenix, this, this area struggles with this. And, and, and in many ways is a barrier to us understanding Jesus. Um, we are raised, in our modern ways of thinking, we're raised to be independent. You know what I mean by that? Like, like we're raised as kids, and the idea is let's get them independent and send them out there. And, and there's some good in that. Um, some of you empty nesters should say amen right now. There's some good in your kids moving on, you know, and amen. Yes, got one. Um, But there's also this, I think, this foundational thing that we're teaching in in this independent idea, and it's this, that that we can figure it out on our own, and we can do it on our own. Everything. And the reality is, there's nothing in life we can can really do on our own. There's nothing in life. And I think faith is, is is a part of that. Um, this, this idea of Christianity and the invitation that God gives us by way of Jesus is this invitation, invitation to embrace this grand story as our own. To say, like they do in the TV show, this is us, this is me. Jesus is uh, God's invitation to turn around, like to, to quit trying to figure it all out on our own and to embrace the the good news of Jesus, that he will put all things back together again, including, including us. He reconciles us. He makes up the difference. He gives us a picture of God. He sets up a new way to do things, and he shuts down the need for us to figure it out. Now, isn't that good news? I mean, that's the good news of Jesus. And here's the invitation. Two things I want you to think about. Um, what, what must I do? This was a question that was asked to Jesus and some of the early followers, and, and Jesus used this phrase, repent and believe. So what does that mean, repent? It literally means, and we've been talking about this, it literally means to turn around. Now think about this in the, in the overarching narrative. If God is pursuing us out of love and we turn around, who do we run into? we run into God. Like it's not this huge effort that now we have to work. No, no, no. To to turn around is to run into God because of his pursuit of us and simply to embrace what he's already given us in Christ. That's grace. That's love. That's good news. And believe. He says, repent. So turn around, believe, which means to trust To to pursue God and embrace that, so rather than now God pursuing us, which He continues to do, now it's like, no, no, I'm gonna, I want to pursue God. I want to find God at every corner. I want to become aware throughout my day in life that that I want to become aware of the presence of God, so that I might reflect Him to the world around me. I mean, this, this. If if we miss this, we miss everything. If we miss Jesus we miss everything because Jesus is what makes sense out of the messed up world that we live in. That was a little confusing, wasn't it? If we miss Jesus, we miss everything because Jesus is the one who puts back together the pieces that we have broken all around us. And and without Jesus, all we have is death at the end. And then, Death is natural. Death in, in that picture, without Jesus, death would be natural. No escape. No way to lean into the life that God has us. Jesus makes that possible. That is good news. So today, to wrap up our time together, um, we're going to take communion, which is this visible um, reminder Visible reminder of what Jesus did for us, and um, as we take communion, I, I want to invite all of us. I want to invite all of us to repent and believe, to repent and believe. Um, now, maybe maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. Well from the time you could start, like, thinking on your own, but you know what I mean. Like, you've been a Christian for a long time. Like, you've claimed to know Christ for a long time. Um, like, repentance and believing is like a daily thing for us, right? As those of us who have been Christians for a long time because we, we still need God's grace each and every day. We still rebel each and every day. We still pursue our own path. And so to turn back around and embrace God, like, we all need to do that every day. Can I get an amen from some of you believers? Yes, we all need that. But maybe there's someone in the room today Maybe there's someone watching online, or uh, maybe there's someone who's, who's kind of been hesitant of this concept of God and Jesus and not fully comprehended what that means. And I would invite you today, maybe for the first time, to simply, in your mind and in your heart, to, to, to turn around to to maybe look over your shoulder and and begin to, to consider that you are loved, that you are pursued by the one who created you, by the one whose love covers all your mistakes, all your inadequacies, all your weaknesses, I mean, even as I think about that right now, my own weakness, like I get emotional about that, that God, that He loves me that much. And if you've never embraced that, if if you've never turned back around and looked over your shoulder and found the one who has been pursuing you your whole life, you're missing out on the grandness of life. Maybe in in your past, maybe you were invited to turn around and you turned around and you encountered an angry God. And I would say, well, maybe that's not really God that you encountered there. Maybe someone created something and, and you missed the God of love and grace and mercy and hope through Jesus. So I invite you today, all of us, to simply repent, to turn around, to believe in the one who loves us.